Father, we thank You so much that we even get the opportunity to stand up and tell people, hey, I know the Lord and and I want to follow Him. Lord, I thank You for Your Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts. I thank You, Lord, for the significant and special work that You're doing in the rock. These people, Lord, they are the rock. Actually, the rock isn't Blake. The rock isn't a name. The rock is them. They are the church, the body of Christ. And I thank You, Lord, for the special things You're doing in each of their hearts. I thank You for each person You brought here, Lord. I was just so exhilarated to meet so many people. Last night here, I don't even know their names. I've never met them before. It's such a joy to see them here. Pray, Lord, You just bless the remainder of our afternoon and our day. And guide this session in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'd like you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, and this is entitled, A Vessel Ready for the Master to Use. Second Timothy is one of my favorite books in the Bible, actually. I read it frequently. Um, I find a lot of encouragement from it, a lot of challenge from it. Second Timothy was the last book that um, Paul wrote, and he's writing to his son in the faith. Timothy is not Paul's literal son, but he is his son in the faith. Now, Paul, uh, as far as we know, did not lead Timothy to the Lord, so he was, in a sense, a surrogate son, a spiritual son, but not not in the sense that Paul led him to to Christ. Timothy had a very godly grandmother and mother. Lois and Eunice were their names. And Timothy was part Jewish and part Greek. His mother was a Jewess and his father was a Greek. We don't know much about his father at all. Most scholars believe Timothy was probably 17 when Paul was passing through that area of the country and he saw that Timothy was a remarkable young man. By remarkable, he was not like Paul at all. Paul was very gladiator-like, very tough, very bold, very hardened, and I mean physically just very strong and very uh, commanding. Timothy was very timid and very shy and more of a reserved personality. But Timothy loved the Lord. He really loved the Lord. And we know this because Paul says, you know, I know of your faith that was passed on to you by your grandmother and your mother and now resides in you. So he becomes Paul's young protege. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is getting ready to die. He says, the time of my departure has now come. I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. And there awaits for me the crown that God will give to all of those who have longed for him. So he gives him some really important instructions in this last book because what he's doing is handing the spiritual baton to Timothy. He's handing the legacy. He Timothy, you carry on. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Remember, you've not been given a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Do your best and work hard at bringing others to Christ. He reminds Timothy, endure suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He reminds Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ. And then he tells him, Timothy, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. And then we get to 2 Timothy, chapter 2. And he writes this. In a large house there are not only gold and silver utensils, but wooden and earthen vessels. Some are indeed for noble purposes, but others are for ignoble purposes. 
Therefore, whoever will cleanse himself from these things will be a utensil for noble use, set apart and useful for the master, prepared for good service of every kind. This is a very powerful passage in the Bible. What it tells us is the choice is yours. You can be a toilet or you can be the computer center of the home or whatever noble thing. In those days, you have to understand the culture. In a house, you would have a gold basin. You might have a silver basin. They were used for special purposes. Only special purposes. Then you had wooden ones that were used, you know, go to the bathroom and dump it out in. Or for all, you know, types of other things. And Timothy, and Paul says here, you can choose which one you want. But there's a price to pay. If you want to be used for God's highest purposes, then you must cleanse yourself. You must purify yourself. Now what we mean here is not in a not in an eternal sense. Christ purified ourselves, but he means in a temporary sense, you must then devote yourself to be holy, to be set apart in your life so that you're useful to God. And this is something I want to discuss with you this morning. I want to talk with you about it. Look at verse 22. But flee from the lusts of youth. Go in pursuit of integrity, faith, love, peace, in fellowship with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. One of the greatest challenges you're going to have, and I just, you know, I debated, should I talk about this, should I not talk about this, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it. Because it's all throughout the scripture. And it's, it's probably going to be one of the biggest obstacles that all of you face in this room. Is lust. And the flesh. Moral, moral decisions that you're going to have to make. They're going to be tough. And you're going to have to decide whether you want really to be useful to God or whether you just want to be content saying, well, I know the Lord and I, and I know I'm going to heaven and that's you know all I want. And then you make a lot of compromises in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs that like a muddied spring or a polluted well is the person who compromises with wickedness. Now, I don't know if you've ever been really thirsty, but have you ever been really thirsty and you went up to a faucet, maybe it was out on your grandparents' farm, and you turn it on and it's colored water that comes out? You ever had that happen? It's just kind of like, oh, you know, yuck. Give me my Evian. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, you know, it's just so sick looking. Nobody wants to drink from a polluted well. That's the point. Nobody wants to drink from it. Okay? It's very important, young person, that you do not live a compromised life, all right? Now, I, I don't know how clearly I have to spell this out, but let's go to Ephesians. I'll, I'll try to spell it out as clear as I can. Um, in Galatians, Ephesians. <clears throat> I think we're going to Ephesians. I'll know in a minute. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 17. We'll start there. Alright? With the Lord's authority, let me say this. Live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their 
their closed minds are full of darkness. They're far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts. They don't care anymore about right and wrong. They have given themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. But this isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ, since you learned all about Him and have learned the truth that's in Jesus. Throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new nature because you are a new person, created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. So put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives the mighty foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgive one another just as the Lord Christ has forgiven you. Verse 5, verse 1, chapter 5, 1, I'm sorry. Follow God's example in everything you do because you're His dear children. Live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave Himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like sweet perfume. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is really an idolater who worships the things of the world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the terrible anger of God comes on all those who disobey Him. Don't participate in these things people do. For your hearts were once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord, and your behavior should show it. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Try to find out what's pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But when the light comes and shines on them, it becomes clear how evil these things are. And where your light shines, it will expose their evil deeds. That is why it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as wise people. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Then you will sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, make music to the Lord in your heart, and always give thanks for everything you do to the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway... Much of the New Testament is devoted to our lifestyle and behavior. Have you ever noticed that? Anyone ever noticed that? It's devoted to our lifestyle and behavior. Now, over and over again, one of the most common things the Bible talks about is immorality. Now, I want to describe to you what immorality is. Immorality is sex with anyone you're not married to. That's immorality, period. Licentiousness or lasciviousness or impurity... It's not necessarily sex, but it's sexually related sin. And that might be messing around, doing everything but having sex. Whatever the case is, the Bible covers the whole thing. 
Okay? It covers the whole thing. And the greatest, for many of you in this room, the greatest test you're going to have as to whether or not you're going to be able to be used by God is if you'll turn your back on the immoral attitudes and behavior that the world says is okay and that in fact many Christians say is okay. And here's what they say. Well, you love each other. That's all that really matters. You love each other. You're committed to each other. You're planning on getting married. Except that the Bible doesn't say anything. The Bible makes none of those excuses. Now, I want to make it very clear that sex is God's gift to you. It's a gift. It's not something God's afraid of. It's not something Bible's afraid to address. It addresses it quite often. And it addresses it in many passages in a very positive manner. And in other ways, it addresses it in a negative way because of the perversion and the deception that's surrounding it that the devil's brought to people's lives. Our, we are literally a sex-crazed culture. Most American males are kept in this constant, continual, perpetual state of heat. And it is very difficult, ladies, you can pray for your brothers, and I'm, I'm just speaking very frankly today. It's very difficult in this culture to keep your mind and your head straight. Because everywhere you go, you are just, bodies are thrown at you. You go to work. And a lot of times the women are dressed there, they're not dressed necessarily in a professional manner, but in a very seductive manner. You're trying to concentrate on your work, it gets a little hard. you got the internet attacking you, you've got the media attacking you. And if you listen like I do, I listen critically to music, I like music, but if you listen to much of it, it's all different terms for let's have sex. It's nothing about love, nothing about real devotion. And so, and so then, and if you're in a relationship with a person, it's so easy to cross that line. Nothing wrong with being in a relationship with a person. As long as you know where the line is, you don't cross the line. And you're a person of integrity and you're putting Christ first. And you're seeing that the soul is more important than the body to begin with. But that's not the way most relationships work. And so you're going to find that the greatest test that most of you are going to have and where most of Christians... In, in Christianity are failing is in this area. This ruins Samson's life. I would strongly encourage you to read about the life of Samson. This is what perverted Solomon's life. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, but his wisdom was diluted because he couldn't stay away from women. And he had a thousand wives. I don't even know how he kept up with them, to be quite honest. I have no idea. This was David's downfall. And God, you know, God's, I want you to understand, God's a very forgiving God. He's very merciful. He's very merciful. He'll forgive you, and He makes you new, and your past is the past. It's past, you're new. But as you go forward here, nothing will derail your Christianity faster than your moral decisions. Nothing. And what happens is you'll try to tell yourself, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. Maybe you're involved in a relationship or you've been involved in one recently and you try to tell yourself you're forgiven. But it's, I have a little saying, and I'm going to probably do a series on this, The Rock, this fall. But it's, um, it goes like this. 
Sex is not about the body wrapped around you. Sex is about your soul and the damage it will do. This is why it says in Corinthians that anyone who joins a prostitute is immoral, becomes one with them. It damages the inside of you and there's scar tissue left and so it's going to take time to recover. You can recover. But if you keep hitting the same scar over and over, it's going to be real hard to recover. You understand? And it's going to be real hard. And Samson, it ruined his whole life. You guys, this is a very important area. This is why Paul was writing it to Timothy. Timothy was a young man. Paul was an old man. Take it from me. You're just going to have to trust me. The older you get, the less of a big deal sex becomes. That's really, honest to God, the truth. Unless, unless you keep feeding it with pornography or with the way you think. But if you walk with the Lord and you discipline your mind, I can tell you right now, I'm really glad to be 43 and not 23. I'm very glad. Because I remember the struggle. I remember the struggle. It's very, very, very important. That's why Paul's writing this, that you flee it, that you run from it, that you don't make excuses for it, or you will never be a vessel that God can use. And I don't care what the area is for you men or women. It's so important that you determine, I want to be a vessel God can use. If you do, then you've got to run. You've got to run from sin. You've got to adjust your behavior. You've got to adjust your lifestyle. You've got to get serious about God. You have to get serious about God. And you know, I mean, I would take this as far as you think you need to take it. For example, let's say a person got engaged and, and they found, boy, this is really hard, you know. And for many couples, I've dealt, by the way, I've counseled thousands of people. So you, you name it. I've dealt with it. Okay? I'll tell you a really neat story. This is something I dealt This was really cool, though. I have a, a friend uh, that I had the privilege of leading the Lord about three years ago. And um, I'll never forget, his girlfriend started bringing him to, to Evergreen. She was a Christian, he wasn't, which, of course, you know, that's taboo as well. But I'm trying to take people where they're at, and she didn't realize that yet. So I began to help her and befriend this guy. And uh, they were messing around a little bit. And, you know, so she realized, you know, if I'm going to try to win him to Christ, this has got to stop. We had to talk about that. And then um, he and I went out. Uh, well, what, what the deal was they had a child together. So anyway, we went out and met at Fridays. And I remember having this visit with him. And his whole life had been women. That, that, that's what this whole life, this guy's life had been. Women. Women, women, women. And he was really struggling because he wanted to come to Christ, but he didn't know if he wanted to leave certain sins behind. And at the same time, this girl was the best thing that ever happened to him, except she did not have the body that he was used to. That's a big deal to a lot of guys. I'm not saying it's the right deal, it's a big deal. And so I just looked him right in the eye and told him, Well, you know what? You've got terribly misplaced values and misplaced priorities. And you got to realize, I don't care what body you get, they aren't going to last anyway. Once they have some babies and they hit 40 and 50, and that's where you're spending the majority of the rest of your life, ain't going to look like no 20-year-old anymore. I promise you that. Unless you spend an awful lot of money to be fake. So, we had this long heart-to-heart talk, and about a week later he called and said, I, I want to receive Christ. And So he came to know the Lord. And... Um, then he said, now Mark, I'm really in a dilemma to know what to do. I really, 
I, I really do care about this girl that had this obstacle in the way. So we just met and we'd talk through it. And we'd talk through it and we'd talk through it. Probably every young husband is going to have to learn to deal with these kinds of things. One way or the other. At least many that I've dealt with. Not all of them, but many of them. And, and I just kept walking him through it and walking him through it. Finally said, listen, you know what you really need to do is you need to marry this girl. I'm going to look. She's the best thing that ever happened to you. You've got Christ partly as a result. You have this child together and you really do love her. He said, well, I, yeah, I do. I, and he was kind of afraid of commitments, you know, that kind of thing. So I just kind of gently kicked him in the butt and said, you know, you just need to make a commitment and then live up to that commitment the rest of your life. So they got married. And they're involved a little bit in Evergreen. And one night I got a call from this guy who was in jail. My gosh, what's going on? He said, oh, we got in a fight, bad fight. I pushed her. She broke her arm. How do you know? It wasn't like he snapped her arm. It's like she slipped literally because she told me this later as well. I talked to both of them and he had this hairline fracture in her arm. So he was felt terrible. She felt terrible. I went and visited him in jail. Sat with him, talked to him. That was two years ago. I just called him the other day, or he called me. I've been out of town. Man, I'll tell you, now they have their second child. And they are just doing so fantastic in the Lord. They got their business is going really well. They have a mortgage business. It's going really well. They're united. They're training those children. They've been going through a class called Growing Kids God's Way. Christ can change a person's life. And that's what He wants to do. He wants to change your behavior. He wants to change the way you live your life. Your values, your attitudes, your perspectives, your actions, your thoughts. He wants to change them. He wants to make them new. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you that that's not an easy thing. It's hard. You know, let me, I'm going to just tell you how hard it is. This is how hard it is. The other night when I asked how many of you believe in, it'd be nice to be healthy the rest of your life, you all raised your hand. That's a nice value. When I asked how many of you think exercise is a way to do it, almost everybody raised their hand. When I asked how many are doing it four or five times a week, ten people in the room raised their hands. As hard as it's going to be for you to go change your exercise and health habits, your eating habits, and some of you really need to do that. Just being very frank with you. That's how hard it's going to be to change your thought habits. That's the kind of discipline you're going to have to bring to change your attitudes. That's the kind of discipline you're going to have to bring. Discipline. You know what the Bible says in Timothy? And I am not making this up. I'm just the bearer of the good tidings. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Discipline yourself for godliness. Train yourself to be godly. Discipline is not easy. But it's essential. It's essential, young person. And you've got to embrace it. Proverbs is full of this. He who loves discipline loves life. He who hates it, hates life. You've got to be willing to bring discipline to your life. This was hard for me. And I'll be very honest with you. As a new Christian, when I, when I came to Christ, really following Lord at 19, I was extraordinarily undisciplined. Now, let me tell you a few of the ways. Um, I was very undisciplined in my moral life and in my thought life. I just, I just let it go. I just thought, of, I thought about sex all the time. Now, let's just be frank about it. Secondly, I spent my money on whatever I wanted. I didn't know how to save. I never saved. I spent every dime that I bought. 
that I got. Third, I never studied. I got C's and D's in high school. I never even opened the book. I never took any homework home all of high school. Ever. I just showed up for class, did what I wanted. If I didn't want to obey my parents, I didn't obey my parents. The only two things I didn't get into were drugs and alcohol. I was just stupid. I was just completely undisciplined. The only thing I was hard working at was my jobs because I wanted money. So it's very reliable. And singing. I worked real hard at singing. That was it. So I came to Christ. I, you might say I was a basket case. I, I was. I was a mess. My life was a mess. I began to read my Bible. And I began to realize, well, now that I am a Christian, there are things that God's asking me to do. There's a price to pay to become a more godly Christian. That's the point. To become a more Christ-like Christian. Wow. Oh, this is heavy. Of course, I don't have to do it on my own. I have the Holy Spirit, but I still have to make choices in my life. And so I began to make those choices. I began to discipline myself when I went to bed and discipline myself when I got up out of bed. I began to read. I began to try to obey. It was hard. I began to try to shut my mouth when I wanted to smart off to my mom like I used to, and it was hard. I began to try to keep my mouth closed, and that was hard. And that's still been a lifelong lesson. Let me tell you, some of us here could really use a lesson in that. It's not easy to shut your mouth, is it? Especially when people push the buttons. That's when you really find out who can close their mouth. When the buttons get pushed. Can I just shut up? Because you know what the Bible says about the tongue? It says you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. The tongue, what a dangerous poison it is. It can set a world on fire or it can heal. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Well, I had a very out-of-control mouth. A very undisciplined mouth. And the fact of the matter is that all these areas, God brought a ton of trials into my life to build me, to refine me, to bring pain into my life. And pain is the path. I mean, we all know here, you know, what, what is the... Let's just be honest. Why? Knowing, all, all of us knowing that health is a good thing. All of us knowing that the biggest reason health insurance and premiums are so high is for one single factor alone. It isn't because people smoke. It's because Americans are lazy and they do not take care of their health. And that is from the American Medical Association. That's not from me. Why don't we do something? Because it's painful. For all of us, it's painful. It's painful for me. It's painful for you. It's painful for all of us. So, well, we don't try to bite off a bigger wad that we could chew. Maybe it would just be, I was sharing this with a friend recently because he said, Mark, he said to me, Mark, and this happened to me. This same thing happened to me. This is what kind of conked me on the head. One day I was playing with my kids in the living room. About five minutes went by and I, I was panting out of breath. But this is, I, I, can't, I can't even play with them. I was rushing around the living room and then I was carrying one of them up the steps. By the time I got to the top of the steps, I was just, I was just heaving. And I thought to myself, God, how, how am I going to be able to be, how am I even going to be able to play with my kids? I'm out of breath. And I don't know, for whatever reason, that just hit me upside the head and I thought, I, I have to change this. So what, how did I change it? With five minutes a day. But folks, I want to I tell you, my commitment is to make you successful. And I can make you successful. I mean that absolutely without question. I can make you successful with your money, with your health, with your marriage, with your kids, and with your personal life. 
And that's my commitment to you. So I started with five minutes. Five minutes. And I sat on an exercise bike that we had, an old one that my wife used. I didn't. She's far more disciplined than I was. And I'd ride for five minutes. I didn't even get my target rate. I didn't even get my heart rate up. I just got my butt used to sitting on the seat. And I was bored out of my mind. Five minutes just seemed like it was forever. Just, and I'd sit there and I'd time it to make sure you know, that I had a, a measuring stick. I stayed on it five minutes. Well, then I knew after about three weeks, this, I got to double it. So I went to ten. Ten big minutes. And then one day, a pastor friend of mine, he said, Mark, I thought I was doing really good. You know, I'd worked up to my target for ten minutes. That was, I think at the time, it was 158 beats a minute. And he goes, Mark, he goes, he's kind of, you know, he's just, they'll say it like it is. He said, I hate to tell you this, Mark, but you're not, you might as well just quit. No, what do you mean you might as well quit? He goes, unless you do it for 20 minutes, at least minimum, at your target heart rate, you're not getting any aerobic benefit, you're not going to burn any calories. Well, thank you, la-di-da. So, I and push-ups. Oh, gee. When I was in high school... I had my the school record for number of sit-ups in two minutes and the number of pull-ups. I couldn't even do ten at one time. I couldn't do ten. I could barely do five. Okay, five's my limit, five's my limit. I'll do five ten times a day. So at any time, i just pop down by my desk and i do five, I'd do five. It took me nine years to lose 30 pounds. What's my secret? I don't quit. That's all. And I'm not going to fail. That's all. And I start small enough that I always succeed. That's all. It took me 15 years to get out of debt. I'm out of debt. I never saved before. I now have more money in my bank than I ever had. I can operate on a cash basis. I have been working at that goal for 23 years. So, brother and sister, you're not a failure if it doesn't happen tomorrow. You only fail you if you never try. And that's the honest to God truth. You just start small. So I had this father. He came up to me. He goes, Mark, I got your tape, you know, on how to get a grip. And he said, I'm the same way. I'm going up down the steps with my little child. He's just only got two. He's about 30. So I was totally out of breath. He said, I've been doing your plan. I go up and down my steps five minutes a day. He said, this week I'm going to start doing them two at a time for 10 minutes. He said, well, you be careful. You be careful. You know, it took me years to get there. Okay. <laughs> He said, I am. He said, I'm so excited. I've never succeeded before. Well, the reason is because you you, you look at someone and you go, well, I'm going to do that. And so you go and you lift and you work out and you go home so discouraged because the next day you can't even move. <laughs> I remember one time I went out to run with my wife. My wife used to run marathons. That You know, she used to run cross country. So one day I went out and ran with her. I thought, I can run with a girl. My gosh, you know, you know how guys are. I can run with a girl. So I go out and we run and we run and we run. And in the middle of the night, I had to go to the bathroom. And I went to stand up and I fell. And I crawled to the bathroom. And I couldn't stand up to go. So I had to figure out a way to go. My legs hurt so bad right here. You know how it, and I could not stand up and I just, I had to crawl. It doesn't have to be that way for you, okay? What I'm trying to say is, it doesn't have to be that way for you. Start small. Maybe a walk around the block. Pray while you walk. Double up your time. Take a little verse pack or some of your notes and just reflect on them as you walk. Just find ways, though. What I'm saying is, find ways to bring greater discipline to your life. That's all. 
But that's all. Get a plan. Formulate a plan. Okay? Formulate a plan of action and then act upon your plan. And I just I just thank God for our musicians up here. I was thinking about Todd playing that harmonica. The only person I know who plays like that is the guy from Blues Traveler. It's the only person I've ever had to be able to suck and blow that fast. I'm serious. I'm I, it's unbelievable. I and I tell you, and I sit back in the seat and I go, I just praise God that Todd stuck with the harmonica because I tried to do it once and I quit. I've been playing the guitar for 20 years and I don't play half as well as my son who's only been playing several years. I don't play half as well as Todd or as Chad because I just, well, I just didn't force myself to make my fingers hurt. It always bothered me. They hurt, so I quit. <laughs> Nobody told me that if I had started with a nylon guitar, I could have built it up. So that's what I have now. I have a nylon guitar I had for a long time. Then I don't have to play it real often. I can still play. So what I'm trying to tell you, brother and sister, is You've got, you've got to face your greatest obstacles. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Maybe there's books, there's albums or records or magazines at home. You really know I need to get rid of them. Get rid of them. Burn them. Get rid of them. Throw them in the trash. Get rid of them. Or do what Ta- Chad did. He took them back to Music Go Round or whatever that place is and he sold them and got some money for them and used them for God. Because he asked me one day, he had these, I remember, never forget shortly after he came to Christ, he had these tons of CDs, lots of money in CDs. And it was, Mark, these things just remind me of my past. They, they, the message is on them. You know, well, they're not good. What do you think I should do? I thought about getting rid of them. And I said, hey, just take them to one of those UCD places where they buy them. Take the money and run. <laughs> Use it for something more productive in your life. Other uplifting CDs or, a, you know, a new Bible or tapes or put it in the bank and use it for conferences. Whatever. But you follow me, young person? You've got to start making those hard decisions in your life. Maybe some of you know that as a result of this conference, you're in a relationship right now you really need to get out of. Or maybe, maybe you know, it's even a Christian relationship, but you know we've, we've gone to this fire, the flesh, so long, so long, that we cannot maintain it. We just can't keep on it. Get out of it. Get out of it. I, I remember a time in my life as a young Christian, you know, uh, there's some things I wish would have been different for Kathy and I when we were engaged. This is one of them. I wished it hadn't been so long. I knew, and I hadn't intended that it be so long. It ended up being two and a half years. I don't like long engagements. If you know it's time to get married, you've gotten counsel from other people, and they confirm that, and they confirm there's no red flags, you've prayed about it, you have peace in your heart about it, then my opinion is get it done as soon as you can because it's better to marry than to burn with passion. It's not fun to burn with passion, right? Right, raise your hand. Okay, it's right, okay? So anyway, but I was doing what I was counseled, and so we waited, and we waited. I did not want to wait because I knew this was going to be really hard, and sure enough, it was hard, and sure enough, we made our mistakes, and I'll never forget. You know what we ended up doing? We had a friend, a close friend, and we told him what went on, and this girl went with us everywhere. In other words, I had a chaperone everywhere. I didn't like it. It was kind of humiliating. kind of felt stupid. But I knew God wanted me with Kathy. And I knew that, um, you know, I, I just, I sowed too many of these seeds as an unchristian. If I hadn't gotten the upper hand on that in my life, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here today at all. So, what I want you young people to do is I want you to go, Lord, I want to be a vessel you can use 
And I will pay whatever price is necessary to do. And so begin formulating a plan. Now, the Bible reading plan. The reason I got you those one-year Bibles in the journals is because I'm, I'm not a dummy. I know that most of you, you look at a Bible and you go, golly, this is a daunting book. Where in the world do I start? What do I read next? And so a lot of you, well, you, you maybe you'll read the book of Romans or Ephesians and some Psalms, and then you'll go, You'll wake up in the morning and go, oh, I'm busy and I don't know where to go next anyway. That's why I got you the one-year Bible. It's kind of like a meal plan. The meal's already cooked. It's already prepared. It's in the, in the refrigerator. And all you do when you get home is pop in the microwave, warm it up, and eat it. It's perfectly balanced. That's why I like the one-year Bible for you. That's why we use them at The Rock. Maybe some of you have had a hard time having your quiet time. Commit to, Lord, every day I'm going to read my one-year plan. Now, like it says in the beginning of that book, of your journal, if you miss a day, forget it. Don't try to make it up. See, that? you know what that's like? It's like if I missed exercise yesterday, am I going to try to do a double workout today? Not on your life. I'm not going to double up. Yesterday's past. I'm forgetting. I'm starting today. I just do my workout today. I'm not going to double up. And imagine if you missed five. You're going to do five workouts in a day? Of course you're not. Maybe for some of you it's with savings. Let me tell you something. Money really reveals your heart. My mother told me this when I was young and I never listened she just said, you know, Mark, even if it's $10 a week, just put $10 a week. I never put a dime in the bank. The real reason is I was just so undisciplined. And so now I just say, you know, I put, I, in fact, I have a game with myself to see how much I can actually get in there. How much I can actually squeeze into the bank. But, but for some of you, if you just did $5 a week, you would achieve a goal. See, you know what, what happens when the devil tells you is $5, $5 is nothing. Why even try? And he discourages you. But you know what Proverbs says? says the wise man makes his wealth grow little by little. That's the secret. The rich people know that us poor people, we never knew it. It's just a little at a time. It's just little by little by little. It's those little baby steps. Where do we get those baby steps from? What about Bob? Take those baby steps, okay? You got to take baby steps. I love that movie. It's hilarious. Okay? You got to just take little baby steps. That's all it is. Little baby steps. And pretty soon you're taking big steps. And pretty soon you're running with the big dogs. Okay? I remember for me, not only did I have to work out, but, um, and by the way, you don't have to agree with this. I'm just trying to give you examples of some of the things that we, we have to choose. I, I quit drinking pop. That was really hard. I quit drinking pop because carbonated drink makes your belly bloated. And I didn't want my belly to stick out anymore because, well, I was with my kids. They were calling me funny names. And, and, but, but I also knew it was rotting my teeth and I've had to put a lot of money into my teeth. I never flossed growing up. Two years ago, I started flossing. I don't miss a day. I carry it with me. That's not an easy habit. Is it, is it an easy habit to develop? For those of you who don't, you know it's not an easy habit to develop. It's really not. And so I just, in other words, you see, the Bible tells us that without a disciplined life, we will not be useful to God. We've got to become disciplined. Chips, chips, I love snack, I love snack food. I love snack food. It's so convenient, snack food here, snack, I like salty stuff, you know, and so one of my favorite things to do is I like to read, and usually I read when everybody's in bed late at night. So I go make a whole bag of microwave popcorn, put it in the bowl, sit on the couch, and read and eat the whole bowl, and then go to sleep. Guess what happens to the popcorn? It becomes part of me. One with my body. <laughs> I'm wearing it the next day. 
You know, I used to do it with pizza. I can eat a whole pizza. A whole pizza. I used to work at Pizza Hut. My senior high school, I worked mostly at Pizza I didn't go to high school. I just skipped the classes. Every day, I need a whole large. A whole large. Bacon bits and pepperoni. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good for you, too. All these things, you know, none of them, I want you to understand something, none of them are bad in themselves. None of them bad themselves. They just kind of controlled me. That was the problem. I just kind of, I was just there, and I was here, and I was there. So, little by little, I trained myself to munch on baby carrots. Oh. But I tried, tried, you know, when I get the munchies, I go get some grapes, I go to eat some cherry tomatoes, eat a graham cracker, eat a saltine instead of the chips. Why? But, you know, I eat chips now. Now I have a better balance on it. But I knew I've got to break Mark of Mark's habits so that my life is greater. And, and even today, even this, these days, I bring greater and greater discipline to my life. Disciplines of trying to get to bed at a certain time and getting up at a certain time. A regimen, a schedule, so I can bring discipline. Why? I only have one desire, so I can be more useful to the Lord. You know what? I'm so blessed because all of you in this room are growing in that. Every one of you are growing in that. And that's commendable. And you pat yourself on the back. Don't let the devil discourage you or make you think, I'm never going to be this. It's years. It's years. we got our whole life together to grow. So you just take one little step, another little step, another little step, another little step. In the moral area, walk away from it. Walk away from it. If you need help, you call Greg or I, and I really mean that, and we will help you. We'll give you some suggestions. Any area you want to talk to us about, it's in confidence you give us a call, and we'll talk with you. We've dealt with all of them. I'm not going to go over this now, because uh, I want to let you go, but I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to print these up. I should have had them before we came, but I didn't. This is a spiritual growth to-do list, and there's 72 things on here. I'm going to read them really fast, Okay. Don't try to write them down. They'll be on the tape, but I'm going to get you one of these laminated little things, all right? These are specific things that, I don't want you to be overwhelmed, but these are the specific little baby step things that you're going to need to develop your life in. Fear God, seek God, trust God, loving God, obey God, worship God, ponder God. Pray often, pray long, pray fervently, pray loudly, pray boldly. Read Bible, memorize it, meditate on it, listen carefully, believe it, obey it. Be a doer, renew your mind, control your thoughts. Think positive, think eternally, love wisdom, hate folly, love righteousness, hate evil, do right. Value humility, be humble, be broken, be contrite, be teachable. Receive advice, love learning, guard your heart, weed heart, be grateful, give thanks, sing praises, cheer up. Be joyful, be zealous, be enthusiastic, keep believing, be faithful, be consistent, endure hardship, be disciplined. Persevere always, stay encouraged, stay determined, stay focused, remember mission. Stay unentangled, share faith, crucify self, no compromise. Work hard, be courageous, love intensely, give generously, forgive freely, preserve unity. Be loyal, serve others, attend church, maximum effort, no excuses. Remember the gospel, remember grace, remember Christ. Those 72 things, guess what? You do them, you are going to be fantastic. You practice those little things, you practice them throughout the day. At any given moment, I'm going to cheer up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to let this get me down. Thank you, Lord, you're in control. You learn to give thanks. You learn to guard your heart. You learn to weed your heart. These are the areas right here. 
had a number of my friends look at these because when I put this together, I said, I, I want to make sure I didn't overlook anything and no one's yet been able to add to this. Maybe you can, that's fine. But these, at a bare minimum, are the things that you must train yourself in. Guess what? No one else can train you in these areas. No one. You must train yourself in these areas. Let's pray, and we're going to have a great afternoon, okay? Got a lot of fun things to do, hanging out together, great food to eat. Lord, we just thank you so much for your mercy in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for every person in this room. And I thank you, Lord, for the things that each and every person is learning. I thank you, Lord, that you accept us just where we are today and where we are tomorrow. I thank you, Lord, that you are here to assist us and encourage us. You are our personal, internal trainer. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You never give up on us. You never get put out or discouraged or disappointed. You're here cheering us on, urging us, hey, you can do this because now you have the Holy Spirit. You have a new person. You are a new person. And we can learn to walk away from those things that cause so much pain and anguish in our lives. Lord, we want you to make us holy. We want you to make us completely yours in every area. We want to have our outward lives, Lord, be conformed to the way your Son lived. Even though we know, Lord, we're going to be tempted the rest of our life, we want to be people who learn to walk away from the temptation rather than giving into it. You know, Lord, in my own life there's still more that I need to learn to walk away from, that I need to learn to stand against. We're all in this together, Lord. I pray that not one brother or sister in this room today would feel isolated or alone. We're not. We're a team together. We're here to help each other, not judge or condemn one another, but love and encourage and support one another and pray for one another. The buddy system at its finest. Thank you again, Lord, for the time we've had here together. We just ask you to bless the remainder of our day. Give us great fellowship together, a really enjoyable afternoon. Until we're together this evening for a special time praising you and seeing people follow you in baptism.